The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Happy Tuesday night, everyone. A little different format here. We're just going to bounce around a little bit more on the games before we get to some news. Like four or five games here. We'll probably spend about five minutes or so on each of them. And then we're going to go back and look at our 2020 predictions from two years ago and weep and cry together, hopefully, as to how wrong they were. I want to remind you, too, we've got Wednesday night NBA cast, New Orleans. They're going to have blood in their eyes after an ugly home loss to the Wolves without Carl Anthony Towns tonight. Going up against Dallas, Luka Doncic and Zion Williamson, top two prospects in our top 10 prospects rankings that we did a couple of months ago. So join us for that. We'll be tweeting out the links, of course, uh, for that second screen experience you watch the game with us. And don't forget to tell a friend about this podcast too. If you really enjoy it, we're getting into the playoffs now. We're going to be really getting into the meat of these game recaps. Interest is going to be up. So if you got an NBA junkie in your life who doesn't listen to Dunked On, please uh, let them know about it. Okay, where do you want to start game-wise here? Let's start with the game that we in, we intended to focus on, but the Clippers kind of made that harder to do because they won it pretty cleanly. The Clippers beat the Thunder in OKC 109-94, and there were a couple of a couple of significant takeaways for me. One of them was just this was the Clippers' defense to me looking more more active, more engaged. They had their personnel, Beverly, George, and Leonard all started, and, and Morris started the four next to Zubach. And the Thunder, you know, Chris Paul got to some mid-range but generally I thought the OKC had a lot of trouble getting to their spots other than 26 free throws yeah there was uh, some good switching by the Clippers uh, as well I thought that that really caused problems for Chris Paul and company nobody on OKC was able to do much other than Dennis Schroeder off the bench he did a reasonable amount of his once the game was already decided but a 97 defensive rating for the Clippers in this one it was that defense that was most impressive and they did that with nobody playing more than 33 minutes one issue is Montrezl first got kicked in the back of the leg, then was able to return, and then came down and sprained an ankle on that same uh, left leg and had to go to the bench. Doesn't look like it'll be too significant of an absence for him, hopefully. But we did get to see when they really were blowing it open late in the third, they replaced him with Jamichael Green at center. Green hit a couple of threes during that period, and Oklahoma City had Stephen Adams on the floor, and they really just didn't have anywhere for him to hide out. Uh, they were getting stuff at the rim when Adams helped out then Green got a couple of threes and so I still think that that unit might have a a little bit of a role to play for uh, this Clippers group before we're all said and done here right and one of the reasons that I've been higher on the Clippers despite you know sometimes their struggles or their record not being at the same level as somebody like the Lakers is that they can go to those different looks that they can try some of that we'll see how much Doc Rivers is comfortable with you know using Shamit in certain configurations and just having a lot of options Williams is going to be a challenging player to use properly, but I do think that that Doc can do so correctly. And something else that, you know, the, the Thunder having a great season and and being the seven, possibly the six seed is massive for them. And it's it, sh- it should be considered a triumph because it is. But it was a reminder that their lack of strength on the perimeter other than Chris Paul will be a problem for them against the best of the best. And I don't think that's, you know, like a, a savage blow or anything like that. It's just a reminder that they're not in that really same tier. And that's why, you know, there's no, there's no shame in that. It's just where they are. Yeah, Shea Gilders Alexander is getting stronger, but he's not there yet to really handle guys like Kawhi and Paul George. And, you know, Oklahoma City, they're 14 and 5 in their last 19 games, even with this loss. Uh, they've been playing extremely well. Yeah. But we went when we went through those small forward rankings last week, how many 
guys are there on that list that you can't get away with guarding with Shea Gilgis Alexander or Chris Paul or Lou Dort and you know probably 20 22 teams in the NBA you can get away with playing three guards essentially if you have enough at the big man spots behind them but the Clippers are not one of those teams and the really good teams in the West generally uh, are going to cause problems for that sort of an alignment but uh so a little bit discouraging for the thunder they also got completely destroyed by the bucks last week and so despite this good season i don't fancy them you know i think a team like a utah or a dallas despite the fact that they have pretty similar records to okc i think those teams would give much more trouble to the top teams in the playoffs than okc will because of some of these weaknesses we're discussing I agree with that. I'll also mention, unfortunately, I, I don't know if you call this buyer's remorse or whatever, that neither of us was focusing, for pretty good reason for the most part, on the Brooklyn-Boston game, which got completely insane in the fourth quarter in overtime when Karis LeVert outscored the Celtics by himself 37-34 in the fourth quarter in overtime, Brooklyn having the highest scoring fourth, the highest scoring quarter in franchise history as they came back and beat a depleted Celtics team both due to injuries and due to outs in the late case of Marcus yeah. Smartley and so. minutes minutes limit minutes for limits. Kemba Walker as well yeah. and Jason Tatum was already out with an illness uh, Jalen Brown uh, suffered what appeared to be a hamstring strain he wasn't able to return Smart fouled out and the Nets ended up winning by nine it was 51-34 in that fourth quarter in Levert just absolutely insane really the second game he's had uh that Toronto game which we profiled on, on the 15 and 60 was another one but this one he did it it wasn't necessarily just a shooting he got to the foul line for 18 attempts in this game is getting to the basket much more against an admittedly depleted celtic group here uh and brad stevens had to go with like robert williams and brad wanamaker and carson edwards and and then yeah. and, and robert williams who hadn't i mean granted that's different he hadn't played in three months due to injury but he was uh, uh, was a part of it as well yeah javante green uh, was was playing in overtime um so I, i'm looking forward to going back to seeing a little bit more of uh lavert's game there game i focused on early on because it was the only four o'clock game was san antonio and charlotte charlotte led it by as many as 19 in the first half ended up losing 104 103 horror and it's over baby takes a little bit of a hit spurs really needed this one to stay alive and without lamarcus aldridge and Jakob pertle this spurs team was almost unrecognizable they strutted drew eubanks but he got the keith bogans trey lyles played 33 minutes he was out there at the end closing it out uh, for them but they also went to some units with rudy gay at center uh, a few notes i thought uh kelton johnson to me actually looked pretty good mm-hmm. uh had seven points in a short stint in the second quarter he looked to have cut up his body quite a bit since we last focused on him in summer league looked to have a little more explosion getting to the basket a little more athleticism i did think that his jumper actually looked slower and more awkward they may be in the midst of re- reworking that perhaps i thought his jumper actually looked okay in the summer but it, it took him a long time to get off he did make one out of his two three-point attempts uh DeJounte Murray went off uh, early in the third quarter, had nine straight points. Uh, he was three of five from three, was taking it a little bit more aggressively. Well, and not only was he three of five from three, he was six of 10 on jump shots overall. And that the mid-rangers ended up being big in the in the late going as well. He had a couple of those. Devontae Graham did not play for the Hornets. They certainly missed him. Uh, Jalen McDaniels did play 27 minutes. I'm guessing that's probably a career high and continued to show some passing acumen, five assists, despite the fact that he doesn't get the ball that much he's able to just find the open man also had five offensive rebounds so he continued to show some glimpses uh but also it was really a mixed bag for him he he is definitely not at the point yet defensively where he can do stuff without processing he's moving a beat slow typified by he, he was standing at the nail and help position looked down at his feet to see whether he was outside of the lane or not to be get called for a defensive three seconds and then uh his man just got past the ball and hit a wide open three while he was looking down at his feet he tried to take a couple of charges that didn't work out also committed two fouls on three point shooters uh, towards the end as uh the spurs uh, were able to come back uh, and take it what did you think of the end of this one 
Well, I mean, San Antonio, I, it was DeRozan free throws, I believe, that, that put that put them up. And Char- then Charlotte made the right decision, in my eyes, to go no timeout. And so you have, it's, oh yeah, DeRozan, never mind, DeRozan missed, a, he missed a, a, a mid-ranger. And then so they get the rebound, pushing the ball forward, which was the right decision. You don't want, especially a team like San Antonio, that maybe they'll change their personnel around. They can they can make some adjustments. Co- head coach, interim, Tim Duncan, you know, in this game, because Pop was out due to personal reasons. Maybe, maybe they can change the personnel around especially with Devonte graham out you might as well get a better chance and i think the process on that was right and terry rozier got into the lane decided to pass it to i believe that was cody martin i have trouble with with both of them being on the same team and passed wasn't on target martin never corralled it and then the spurs did something that i harp on all the time where instead of just taking the foul they threw the ball in the air and that burned the last couple seconds it helped that there was a guy on their team on the other end of it but they burned the last 2.7 seconds mostly with the ball in the air and won the game yeah and charlotte uh, the biggest problem with not taking the timeout was after they turned it over they didn't have it in their heads that they needed to foul usually you would say hey all right if we miss we're gonna foul here uh but uh, and the players should have obviously realized that as well. Uh, but, I, you know, I thought Brago made the right decision. They did kind of ha- stagnate trying to get into something. Like, they didn't have a fast break. Maybe you could say Brago should have called the timeout there when it was clear they didn't have anything as they brought the ball up uh, after that. DeRozan miss a uh, couple other notes Rudy Gay it did hit a big mid-ranger late but he surprisingly when he was playing center was just matched up one-on-one against Willie Hernan Gomez and uh wasn't able to beat him uh, a lot of times that was uh, not particularly encouraging and uh, we got to see both Caleb and Cody Martin Cody Martin got his first start actually made a three he, he is uh more of an energy guy and then his brother is kind of more of the shooter Caleb Martin he actually had 12 points uh, in this one was plus eight but this was uh this was April basketball not March basketball uh, with some of the the injuries that were there but uh Spurs got a desperately desperately needed win all right let's take a quick break we'll talk about uh, the rest of the night here Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice 
heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout Please remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us turning to the west coast man was this an ugly loss for the denver nuggets they lost by 16 at home to golden state steph curry obviously did not play Draymond Green did not play, although, frankly, they played much better without Draymond Green this year. Uh, And they just took it right to the Nuggets. The Nuggets actually led by 15 in the third quarter. Warriors splashed a ton of threes. They're 18 of 41, 44% from downtown. And the Nuggets were three out of 20. And, And I thought that my biggest takeaway here was mike Malone, hollinger and i did the coach rankings yesterday which i encourage all you guys to listen to and my biggest criticism of him is his offense and he spends a lot of time posting up guys who you know are not really premium post-up players and he's not posting up for like you know we're gonna run some shooters off of screens it's hey you guys go score mason plumley and jeremy grant in particular Millsap was awesome but you know he he's a can really attack mismatches i don't think grant and plumley fall into that category um and the nuggets other than destroying them on the offensive glass in the first 30 minutes or so of the game really didn't have anywhere else to go offense i mean to generate only 23 pointers against this warriors team is just not even close to good enough gary harris didn't take a single three in 35 minutes it's just amazing to me how how that could happen will barton was one of nine jamal murray was zero of six those guys took 15 of their 23 point attempts and then the warriors also went to a switching group late uh 10-day contract guy michael Mulder has continued to shoot it well he was out there closing the game uh and they had, were able to switch one through five and that caused trouble for the nuggets again they had a bunch of turnovers in the fourth quarter i think it, it was six they tried to post up Jokic, but they weren't really able to get him the ball there wasn't enough spacing around him he got stripped and stoned on a, a post up in the lane by andrew wiggins uh, who was excellent in this one again with 22 points and 10 assists very efficient performance uh eric pascal hit two threes and had five assists that's been the biggest growth in his game over the last few weeks is actually passing the ball on some of these drives not careening into four guys and picking up offensive fouls uh, and turnovers his second jump is really just fantastic he has way more explosive off of two feet than i had realized uh, initially and jordan Poole had 15 points including four or six and two big threes at the end of the third to give the warriors a lead that they wouldn't relinquish and uh really really bad loss for the nuggets i, I don't know what else you can say about it other than that and even you know three or 20 yeah they lost the three-point battle but they give up a lot of threes to a warriors team that generally has not generated enough three-pointers and they don't generate enough themselves and that uh can be a problem and it allows you to be ripe for the upset at time even though they largely have taken care of uh bad teams this season we don't know how the seating is going to shake out but losses like the one that the rockets had on monday night in new york and the nuggets had at home on tuesday night are the type that you know if things don't don't break your way that that fans and and often remember yeah that that new york loss was way more excusable though, absolutely to me than this one for the nuggets at home well and especially because the nuggets had had that lead you remember the rockets had that needed a huge comeback they fell behind the hit and the knicks had some better elements than they usually do another anomalous thing about this game andrew wiggins 10 assists do you know how many double digit assist games andrew wiggins had in his career before tonight <sighs> i mean i maybe he had like one or two earlier this year but i'm guessing not many correct one he had one as a member of the Timberwolves so this is the second double digit assist game of Wiggins career and some of that was the Warriors hitting a bunch of threes but I I thought you know in the parts of the game I watched he he was better he threw some really nice passes like he had the when the Nuggets were switching uh 
Dragon Bender slipped, slipping to the rim on the screen. He throws it over the top to him, hitting him before the help can get over. Bender blew the layup, although he played well at the expiration of his 10-day contract as well. He had 14 points uh, off the bench, and uh, his spacing enabled the Warriors to get a lot of nice cuts to the basket, just like the good old days. So we'll see whether the Warriors are going to bring him back or not. Uh, but uh, yeah, not a good loss for the Nuggets. The Suns continue their own free fall, and the Raptors were able to stop theirs having lost three straight. It took 43 minutes from Pascal Siakam and 37 from Cal Lowry. All of their starters, none of them played fewer than 34 minutes. That included Patrick McCaw. Chris Boucher played 29 minutes off their bench, and then nobody else had even double-digit minutes uh, because when they brought those guys in, they got completely killed uh, in the uh, end of the first, early second as Phoenix uh, got out to a healthy double-digit lead. Devin Booker, 5 of 14, he has really struggled over the last month or so. His efficiency has gone down. He hasn't had any of those huge games in a while. He's still at 22 points because he was able to get to the line and 10 assists, but he hasn't had the dominating scoring performances or the incredibly efficient scoring performances. Uh, he also just got blown by for the clinching layup by Patrick McCaw. Just a straight line drive from out on the floor. You probably don't want to get beaten off the dribble well, by and, Patrick McCaw. At the and end that of the turned game. it from, I believe, from being down three to down five. So that's absolutely crushing. I mean, if they get a stop there, yeah. the, the Suns have a pretty decent chance to at least make it interesting. Yeah, DeAndre Ayton, 39 minutes, but turned his ankle late as OG Ananobi fell on him trying to deny an entry pass into the post. Five of 14 for Ayton. Not too amazing there. Uh, but the Suns did miss him down the stretch. Aaron Baines did not play at all. The uh, Cam Johnson did have a nice game. He had a, a couple of stops in the fourth quarter that looked really good. One on Lowry, then the next one on Siakam where uh he drew an offensive foul for the push off by Siakam and and I think that's Cam Johnson being able to defend his position credibly one-on-one I think is huge for where the Suns are going to be going as a team if you can put him at the four and have a little switchability with the way he shoots it that could really just open up so much for them in terms of their long-term planning and an update just do the way we record this will be this will be an update that supersedes what happens later in the podcast we got we got information on what happened with Kelly Oubre so he underwent arthroscopic surgery and he'll be reevaluated in four weeks and a four-week timeline correct me if I'm wrong that indicates that it was a meniscus trim rather than a repair last game I wanted to talk about that Minnesota New Orleans game New Orleans after Zion Williamson just tattooed Naz Reed for about eight points in the first few minutes of the fourth quarter led it 119-113 and then Minnesota came roaring back no defensive answers whatsoever for the Pels and this is obviously Carl Anthony Towns didn't play in this one D'Angelo Russell at one point was negative 25 but he really led the comeback uh pick and rolls with Reed and then they went with James Johnson at center as well and Pels just had no answers they tried to switch they were getting the slip to the rim Russell was hitting the pass over the top there uh was able to get to some mid-rangers hit some threes and Malik Beasley was absolutely scorching with 28 points, did it uh, on only 14 shooting possessions. He was 11 of 13 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3, also had 4 assists. Uh, it was plus 12 in his 36 minutes as the Wolves won at 139-134. Zion had a, a time where he was completely unstoppable, but uh, did little. I don't think he scored in the last 10 minutes or so of the game. I mean, it was the last 8 minutes or so of the game. Part of that, he was sitting on the bench, and that was really when he was out that the Wolves made their push to go ahead. Uh, but the Wolves also went to some zone. Uh, Ryan Saunders uh, channeling his late father with that zone that they used to run. Uh, doesn't quite have Kevin Garnett at the top of that zone anymore, but it was enough to throw off the Pels. They also were missing J.J. Redick, as we'll talk about later on. So didn't have quite as much shooting as uh, they would have liked. They wasted a 7 out of 10 from 3 performance uh, from Lonzo Ball. Josh Hart, though, counteracted that with a 1 of 9 performance uh, of his own. Well, and it was a brutal night for... For the Pelicans bench, they got significantly outplayed both in the box score and in real life by the the McLaughlin group. Whenever whenever McLaughlin was on the floor, and I mean, the Reddick's absence was really 
felt there because they had to turn to, you know, Etwan Moore is not chopped liver, but Etwan Moore, Frank Jackson played a little bit, and then Melly just wasn't hitting wasn't hitting some shots. So, I mean, New Orleans, it, they have an easier schedule. You know, if we, we the strength of schedule stuff does really go in their favor, but taking care of business and actually trying on defense are mandatory for them to make it through, especially because remember, yeah, the projection systems really like them, but Memphis has the one loss lead right now, and they're going to get their guys back, hopefully. Yeah, and their next five games, I mean, they needed this one because their next five are extremely difficult, and then they have that really soft last 15 games uh, or so. Zion continues to really suck defensively. I mean, he, uh, you mentioned the McLaughlin group, and they did a lot of that damage with when McLaughlin was matched up against Zion in pick and roll. He beat him in ISO. He beat him to the rim. I mean, Zion has made maybe like three defensive plays all year. Like, it's really bad. He can't move his feet. He can't sit in a stance. And I'm not sure whether it's conditioning, whether he needs to lose some weight. I mean, we, we, he has badly badly regressed from where he was defensively at duke which i already thought was overrated and you talked about the fundamentals but at least at duke you could see him slide his feet with guys you would see him get steals you'd see him come over for those big wheat side blocks and it just has not happened at all with the Pels. and the defensive numbers with him on the floor are solid but number one he's playing next to Derek favors a lot of his minutes that uh starting group has been really good but he's also really benefiting from some opponent shooting luck when he's on the floor right now too so this is this is going to be a story and maybe he'll get into much better shape and it won't be an issue next year. But I mean, we're talking about this guy as a generational offensive prospect. I tweeted today that I've never seen it. I haven't seen a guy score this easily inside since Shaq. And yes, I'm including Giannis in that because Giannis, he's got to get ahead of steam. He's got a Euro step. He's got to kind of push off. I mean, he's gotten stronger. He can move guys a little bit, but Zion guys just bounce off of him. I mean, all he's got to do is catch the ball, take two dribbles to his spot and elevate. And you don't realize it because he looks so short out there but like he's just going around guys guys are bouncing off him he's so big he gets any kind of contact on guys they're just flying backwards and he gets the space did you see the charge josh akoki took on him in this game I did not. I was not watching during that specific jo- portion. Josh Akogi took a charge outside the charge circle and hit the stanchion. And it wasn't a flop. Yeah. He just got bounced like he was flubber. It was incredible. Yeah. So, and I mean, this is, uh, again, the standards are high for Zion Williamson. He, he's a rookie. But I, w- I wanted to see at least some flashes. We have not even seen the flashes at all. And so if we're not going to see that, it's going to become incumbent on them to find the, your Miles Turner type. You know, Serge Ibaka might be someone they could even look at in the offseason a trade for Al Horford you know, someone who can defend and can really space the floor uh you know my, my list of those when we did the 15 and 60 was probably a little shorter than it should have been but uh and especially a long-term piece they if Zion is going to be this bad defensively they got to find a real center to play next to him or they're just never going to stop people well enough and there is time I mean I don't want to you know big men sometimes take it defensively but the lack of signs as you were saying especially considering he showed more of them at Duke is a concern i'm you know i'm willing to give him a longer evaluation period especially because he came in midstream but you want to see more than we've seen so all right we are long overdue for news where do you want to start? I want to start in, in probably not the place that people would expect, and that's in Phoenix with the uh, the reporting from from Yahoo, I believe it was Chris Haynes, that Kelly Oubre has a, a torn meniscus. He is reportedly, that was late last week, seeking a second opinion. We have not heard the results of said second opinion. So my anticipation is that he will be out, at least that he'll be out the remainder of the regular season. And that sucks for Phoenix because they were probably going to be on the outside looking in anyway, but Oubre has been one, one of my real success stories this season. Yeah, and we saw this with Alfred Camino where he had the torn meniscus tried to get back was unable to do so he eventually did have the surgery for Ubre, good for him that he signed that $30 million deal for two years, life-changing money, even if, it, in fact, this is something that ends up uh, affecting his career. Uh, now, Mikhail Bridges is going to get more of a chance now, maybe even to do more offensively uh but cleveland after losses over the weekend to detroit and the warriors that uh, they were done in the playoff race anyway i'm sure we'll see more of ty jerome for them now uh, and hey maybe even a little jalen lequeux gets get some minutes uh at the end of the season but they they could be moving i, I mean they do want to continue developing ayton but they probably are going to be moving into a little bit different of a mission here now maybe we'll see rubio get some 
and rest on the end of the year. This is a good time to clarify something that comes up this time of year every year in terms of the difference between like more malicious tanking, which Phoenix has been guilty of in the past, you know, the healthy scratches of, of Eric Bledsoe still sticking my craw from a few years ago, and the shift in priorities that happens when a team is either actually or functionally eliminated from the playoffs, which is that just that your incentives change. And so getting a sense of how good Ty Jerome is, getting a sense of maybe Elliot Kobo, who has a non-guaranteed season, and some of these other players, like there is value for James Jones in getting that information. And since normally you avoid doing that because the downside is it makes it less likely for you to make the playoffs, that I wouldn't consider tanking. That is not deliberately making yourselves worse. However, the functional difference is often nil. Well, we did this Knicks-Houston game yesterday, and we missed out on the biggest story. <laughs> Spike Lee. Yeah, who who could have known that after all the good things that happened yesterday that that would all get superseded by this by this nonsense, self-inflicted wound? Yeah, really. And Frank Isola said that Spike Lee has used the entrance that he goes into, which is the the also an entrance used by the media. Supposedly, Spike was told you have to use a different entrance. And they wanted him to leave the building. He was concerned that if he did that, his ticket would then have already been scanned and he wouldn't be able to get back in. And just total... And it all comes from the top, obviously, right? Like MSG, their PR staff, security, everyone is just a huge tightwad about the rules. They don't want to do anything that's going to upset James Dolan because he has a certain way that things want to be run. And so now they put out a statement yesterday saying, oh, James and Spike talked yesterday and it was all cool. And then Spike said he was going to let it go. But then he saw that statement and he said, no, I'm actually going to, instead of letting it go, I'm going to go on first take and uh, trash the Knicks and say, no, that they totally lied in their statement. Then the Knicks put out a, a photo of, James Dolan and Spike Lee shaking hands. And it, it, when Spike said they didn't shake hands, I don't know if they were shaking hands. They might have just been like some other sort of contact. It was a still photo. It's just incredibly, incredibly dumb. And Leon Rose, hey, uh, welcome to the Knicks. Ownership is the biggest competitive advantage in the NBA. Doesn't just have to be on the court. It can be all sorts of different things. And yeah. remember... That- and, and this is why I always say you should change it to ownership is the biggest... Uh, competitive disadvantage in the nba and, and it's a fair distinction but it, it lacks yeah. it lacks the cachet in my you're opinion. right yeah i mean it's it's uh you've been saying it since like 2014 now so i i, I shouldn't i shouldn't uh try to change it now you, you can do you can do what you want um let's let's move to portland and in portland we're there's a series of, of injured players there thankfully that list is going to soon not include damian lillard he is going to return on wednesday and the big men are still going to take more time we don't have an exact time Timeline on John Call, uh, sorry, not on Zach Collins, John Collins on different team, and he wasn't doing contact at the end of February, so that generally means it's still a little while off. We don't we don't know exactly there, and then we we also don't have dates on Yusuf Nurkic, so it might not be the 2019-20 season for him at all. Yeah, there was hope he could come back after the break. He had that calf injury, which was a setback, and it, he had an interview saying, "I have no dates." So I mean, it's really, especially if they continue to flounder here, you would imagine that they'll ultimately just err on the side of holding him out and Collins I mean if he's not doing contact work at this point you would have to imagine it's the end of the month at the earliest uh for him the Kings are hoping that Rashawn Holmes finally with that right shoulder issue will be able to return to practice this week but we still have two more weeks until Marvin Bagley is going to be reevaluated he said that he hopes to return this year again uh, perhaps their playoff status will determine things although maybe having Bagley not in the rotation will help their playoff push but they're they're not going to see it that way Spurs another one of these teams chasing the eighth seed in the west that are really struggling LaMarcus Aldridge is now missed four straight with a right shoulder injury was not able to play in their loss at home to the Pacers last night Jakob Pertl has a sprained right MCL he said on Facebook he expects to miss two to four weeks so that sounds like a grade one MCL strain they might be able to come back again assuming that they are still in it uh, and they do have an easy schedule down the stretch here but I mean for to have no bigs at all that's going to be a problem and they started Trey Lyles at center last night night uh like no i guess they started, they started drew eubanks. eubanks at center and lyle's a power forward but they went to some lineups so when they did, were able to get back into it it was rudy gay at center is looking like the 2019 world cup team not playing a center a, at all uh but 
I mean, I, I have no idea how they can possibly stop anybody with the their two bigs who are decent at all out. And so that's, uh, you have to say this is great news for the Pels and the Grizz, uh, but not so good for the Spurs. What else we got here? Well, and the Pelicans have their own injury news to deal with. J.J. Redick is, has a hamstring issue. He's out at least two weeks. And this is just a continuation of other issues that he's had with the what's called the posterior chain more more broadly than the season, though it has included the season. Yeah, hamstrings, lower back, you know, that's just been a chronic issue for him. And this doesn't kill the Pels. They got a lot of depth at the shooting guard position. Josh Hart is capable of filling in there. Perhaps it's funny, you would have thought, well, hey, if they're playing Zion and Favors together, Reddick should probably be out there as well. But Lonzo Ball, Ingram, those guys and obviously drew holiday those guys are all good enough that reddick wasn't going to start anyway so he wasn't getting very many minutes with that favor zion group so they don't need him quite as much they play at a high pace um but hopefully he can return it towards the end for uh their playoff push memphis signed anthony tolliver to a 10-day from the sacramento kings he was waived just early enough that he could participate in the playoffs jordan bell has been waived from memphis he could potentially return to minnesota i don't think they want him uh, he cannot return to the rockets be interested to see if anyone has uh, some interest in him i mean I, maybe the warriors are just done with him but i mean if i were them i would try and give him another shot try to get him on like a non-guarantee for next year or something um but certainly Bell has had his career go off the rails after being in the rotation in the Western Conference Finals in 2018. Uh, things have not gone well for him since then. Uh, and the Grizz, though, have righted the ship with two monster wins. They beat the Lakers at home over the weekend and then killed the Hawks by 40 in Atlanta last night uh, to get a couple of really needed wins as they'd been in free fall. We were worried without Jaron Jackson, they're going to really have problems. And Tolliver uh, actually played for them last night. They just need anybody who can shoot the ball at any position. And so I think that was a good job by them to get him on that 10-day. And, and in his buyout, he gave up exactly the amount of what he will make with the 10-day contract. But I could see him sticking with the Grizz uh, for the rest of the season because they just so desperately need that shooting. Maybe when Jackson comes back, they might move on from him. The Detroit Pistons are going to be without Derek Rose for at least a few weeks he has a sprained right ankle and the Pistons are going to be cautious as they should so I wouldn't be shocked if he misses a lot longer than you know a few weeks I mean once you get into the this is my idea of kind of you double the projection and then that gives you a good rough estimate and you always shade towards the higher end of that when a team is out of it and would benefit from not being as good and Derek Rose clearly makes them that way and the Pistons are also dealing with other injuries Luke Kennard is should be coming back soon so that'll be good good to have him out there get a little bit more time to evaluate Kennard and his fit with this team but then also Bruce Brown has missed three games with a left knee contusion yeah they've actually had Brandon Knight uh, putting up some decent scoring performances uh, at point guard with Rose also out uh, the Warriors Chasson Randall finally was able to agree to a 10-day contract uh, John Gavoni had written a story earlier on about how he and others were in limbo with the Chinese Basketball Association who hoped to restart their season in April those players according to Gavoni were not getting paid during in the interim but presumably will get paid for the rest of the season once it resumes but for randall uh, they he tried to sign with the an nba team and was rebuffed by the cba and so his argument was hey i've only it's only a 10-day contract by the time you restart the league i should be back now if you're the cba you might say hey we don't want you playing you're gonna get if you get injured then you know you're uh, that's a problem but it seems like they finally were able to work that out so he's with the warriors now that's necessitated in part because kai bowman suffered a pretty bad sprained ankle and uh Steph Curry had his return pushed back. It was supposed to be Sunday, but they claimed that he needed more conditioning. It had nothing to do with nerve damage in his hand. He played a simulated game on Monday down in Santa Cruz, and he's not going to play tonight against denver nor will Draymond green or kavon looney i can't i'm not even gonna bother keeping up with Draymond green i think he's basically just on vacation for the rest of the year maybe he'll play a little bit with curry uh as they try to find some sort of information about what this team's gonna look like next year with wiggins curry and draymond together um 
so thursday is when he's going to try to come back in theory now against the raptors let's move on here well, yeah, let's move on to the intrigue that is still going on around the Clippers' potential move into Inglewood. There has been this, we've talked about it on the pod before, this legal issue and also, you know, outside of legal issue between Steve Ballmer slash the Clippers slash Inglewood and MSG because as as it happens, Steve Dolan and MSG own the Inglewood S- form. Steve Dolan, James Dolan. James Dolan, sorry. Yeah. Lots, lots of Steves in this. Um, And so basically there's been this issue related to some of the land and acute couple other things with the Clippers trying to build a new building. And it appears that the way this might resolve is Ballmer just buying the forum. Yeah. And that I think uh, having a lot of money can make a lot of problems uh, go away. Kevin Artovitz reporting that they are in advanced discussions. Now, I'm not going to believe that for a thousand percent until uh, Penn is put to paper on this. And so I mean, there's been all sorts of crazy shit here. Like, remember James Dolan trying to bankroll the Republican candidate for mayor in Inglewood who got like negative 5% of the vote uh, as, as a way to try to get some more leverage with the city. And there were some accusations that the city and the Clippers conspired against MSG to get them to part with this piece of land next to the forum. But it does seem like things are moving in the right direction. And, and perhaps the fact that these two organizations are actually able to agree on a trade uh, might have augured this uh, little bit of a thaw here. I know Adam Silver has not been happy about uh, this conflict, and uh, presumably he's been part of resolving this. For Dallas, Jalen Brunson in that crazy game against the Hawks, which was protested. Have we actually gotten a ruling on that protest yet? I don't think we have, right? I haven't heard one. That's weird. Usually they rule on it pretty quickly. Uh, But anyway, part of the Mavs ire in that game was that Brunson, they thought an illegal screen was set, should have been reviewed for a flagrant, but he uh, tore his labrum in his right shoulder. He does not have a timetable for a return. We've seen that players can once the swelling goes down try to play through it you know paul george played through it last year but it certainly can affect your game quite a bit uh and you would imagine postseason surgery will be in the offing and willie collie stein was available uh, against the bulls on monday but he's missed five in a row before that for personal reasons and he has not really had much of an effect you recall they were starting dwight powell next to Kristaps Porzingis and I think part of why Cauley Stein in addition to this personal absence hasn't really figured is because they've had just so much success with Porzingis it's not Porzingis did not play of course against the Bulls in their loss last night when we talked a little I talked a little bit about that game on Monday night and talked about Otto Porter and Wendell Carter returning that's the good news for Chicago the bad news is Boylan confirmed on Tuesday morning that Chris Dunn is out for the remainder of the season with this MCL issue he is a pending restricted free agent market's going to be really tough for Dunn and this doesn't I, I don't think it affects things too much as long as teams aren't worried about it lingering but it's another reminder of how it could be a really challenging summer for him in the Atlantic well, well, one more thing in, in sure. Chicago too i didn't write this down but it just came down that uh zach levine saying with uh a quad issue he's gonna miss uh at least a week uh, oh, and, and mark hoping, hoping that he'll play in their next game i saw that too yeah so but uh, of course they can't actually get all five of their projected starters from this from the beginning of the year on the floor because they, they heard they heard your emperor voice and they're like nope we're not going to do it <laughs> Uh, but onto yes. the onto the Atlantic Division, Kyrie Irving underwent what is being called successful arthroscopic surgery on his right shoulder. We always hear of them being successful. We'll have to see later on. And it is to relieve a right shoulder impingement. Obviously, hope for the best. Hope that he's fully recovered by the start of next year. Haven't I, I'm guessing he's not going to be available. I don't know this, but we'll see what what the status is for international competition or just just coming back. On on the positive side, in the same division, his replacement in Boston, Kemba Walker, is on track to return. On Tuesday against the Nets, most of you will know what happened there by the time. And finally, in Toronto, they did get back Norman Powell, who had missed a bunch of time. And then immediately, Fred Van Vliet and Serge Ibaka were not able to play against the Nuggets, missing two straight. And uh, Marcus Gasol, with that second hamstring injury, he's been out since before the All-Star break. He started doing some light work, but you imagine it's going to still be more weeks for him until he returns. And finally, uh, Josh Richardson entered the concussion protocol after a collision in their game against the Clippers. So we'll have to see how long it's going to be for him. But generally, it's going to be a couple of games uh, for concussion issues like that. Oh, we, we have a slight Kelly Oubre update. He is going to, it is expected to go undergo knee surgery on Tuesday, but we do not know yet know whether it is a repair or a trim, and that will determine the length of the recovery. Yeah, 
the the trim is usually that six to eight weeks the repair she should still be able to be back by the start of next season but that is a a much longer rehab process ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice but what about this one that's the sound of all the sports you love all at once starting at 40 dollars a month experience it all live with sling sling anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace user in capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us okay so we promised you we're gonna do this now we're gonna hold ourselves accountable after doing our recent crystal ball episode you're gonna find out just how worthless our predictions generally are we did this two years ago so this is march of 2018 we made these predictions for what would be happening this season two years hence and so we a reminder what we do we pick the final four two in each conference to talk about some of the candidates we pick the champion, the finals MVP, overall MVP, uh, and uh, all NBA teams. Let's start in the Western Conference. Just, well, I picked Golden. You just want to rip the Band-Aid off, don't you? Yeah, I picked Golden State, and I wrote all the main guys under contract to cut, except for Clay. I mean, at this point, I mean, remember KD had just come there. They had had one of the most dominant seasons of all time. He won Finals MVP. Uh, there was later, not at the time, later some reporting that he was kind of disengaged from the group during the 17-18 season, but that wasn't aware, at least the general public wasn't aware of that in March of 2018. I mean, it seemed like he, they were all going to be there forever and it was all going to be kumbaya. Uh, so they were my, uh, my number one pick to win the West, win the championship. KD was my pick for finals MVP. And uh, no, he's actually plays for the Brooklyn Nets and doesn't play for the Brooklyn Nets because he tore his Achilles in the 2019 finals. Mine gets grislier, not right after that, because I had the Rockets second and they're in the mix. You know, I didn't have, I had I actually had the Lakers in my considered group on the idea that, that they could figure this out. Remember, they didn't have LeBron. So you, you were, did you have the same as me? You had Golden State also? I had Golden State and Houston as my one. Two. Yeah. And then, but my also considered group is largely a boulevard of broken dreams. This I had the Spurs, I don't know, I don't remember, once you get into considered, I don't remember whether I had these in any order, but I had the Spurs, the Jazz, the Wolves, the Lakers, and the Thunder. So I did not include the Nuggets, who are who are in that mix. Did not include the Clippers, who who you know I'm, that obviously. Oh, oh yeah, you want to hear see what what note I had for the Clippers could be a candidate for the bottom too now they remember at this point they had just traded blake griffin they had lost chris paul i mean they did have you know lou williams and harrell uh tobias harris but certainly there wasn't an indication necessarily that Kawhi leonard was going to end up there and paul george i mean again we're, th- this 2019 offseason like kind of fucked us just a little bit here yeah and and i mean i did have i i i'll go i'll go into it a little bit later i had a i had an intro section of this because i'm a writer and i just do that to kind of get get into my headspace then and there's actually some pretty good stuff there but that didn't all bear fruit into the east my one and two were the celtics and sixers part of the logic of the celtics was that not only did i like their young core but that they could potentially get better with a high profile trade like i brought up anthony davis's possibility they didn't do that but they are still a very good team my also considered included the raptors 
Raptors and the Bucks, and but also the Cavs, Pacers, and Wizards. <laughs> so mixed mixed bag there. Like you, I had the Warriors as my projected champion and Finals MVP of Kevin Durant. I think my worst teams looks a little bit better. I had the yeah. I had the Kings, who remember this is before their surprise season in eighteen nineteen, but they're you know they're they're not a playoff team or anything this year. And then the Hornets, who are one of the worst teams in the league this year in terms of net rating, but have and that's even with the improvement of Devontae Graham. So I'm I'm largely okay with that being a choice. And then my honorable mentions were the Hawks, who've been disappointing this year. And then I said Cam mentioned the Pelicans. They retooled the entire team. The idea there was basically that AD might be gone, and AD is gone, but they've been much yeah, I, I had the the Pelicans also. I, I mean, I definitely said Cleveland if LeBron leaves, which he would later that summer. Um, Charlotte was uh, my Charlotte and Memphis were my two picks, and you know if Memphis hadn't had really good lottery luck the last two years, they probably would be right there. Frankly, um, the Knicks I wrote at least they have all their own picks and Kristaps Porzingis. <laughs> uh, Detroit, I, and, I wrote and down. Porzingis never played another game for the Knicks, right? Oh, no, that's do? right. Yeah, because he had torn his ACL like a couple months prior to this. Um, so I and I mean, you see, really, the two things that can change things so much are lottery luck in the draft, and that obviously helped New Orleans a ton too. The bad luck of Cleveland. You know, I mean, Cleveland could be Memphis right now if they had just had the lottery luck that Memphis had the or last the couple of years, right? Yeah, well, to an extent. Um, um, yeah, and then obviously free agency. Uh, as well those are the two things that make this so yeah. hard to predict but that's also, uh, that's like, why we love it yeah and it, that and you do the best you can to predict and you know you're not going to get everything right uh, on the mvp front my i think this was it was a telling part of it so again i like i did for the crystal ball this time it's the most likely to win the award not projected ranking the order and my here's here's how i put it i said harden one Giannis two davis Kawhi, steph curry and then either Embiid or towns and i mean the part that's wrong there is not having lebron james in the mix but other than that it's not totally terrible yeah Giannis was my pick at that point and yeah 17 18 that was really the first year that he broke out for all nba type of status and, and we were convinced that kid and prunty were holding him back slash the team i really you sure about that um so yeah harden was my second pick I and mean, those guys might be one and two lebron did not appear on my list so he i mean it's just incredible he had already aged incredibly well he would have one of his best playoffs ever at age 33 before this and now he's probably going to finish number two in mvp i don't know if he's going to deserve number two in mvp but he, he's going to finish number two in mvp probably uh and he wasn't even on my list i mean just incredible again the the way that he's aged and yeah i mean i i, I caution often that he he's slipping in some subtle ways but i mean still in the overall grand scheme of things to have maintained the level that he has has just been incredible um so I had the NBA champion as Golden State. They are going to finish with the worst record in the NBA this year. Unbelievable. I mean, just just to like, we've kind of become a nerd to it as like, you know, each blow has kind of happened incrementally of, all right, you know, first KD tears, you know, first it appears KD is probably going to leave. Then he tears his Achilles. Then Clay tears his ACL. Then they sign D'Angelo Russell. Then they get hard capped. Then Steph Curry breaks his hand. Then Draymond Green decides that he's not going to try the rest of the year because it's hopeless. And so all of those things happen incrementally. But just the fact that the Golden State Warriors are easily the worst team in basketball this year and just how fucking insane that is when you really look at it overall, it's it's remarkable. It is remarkable. And we'll see what the long-term ramifications of that are, whether they get a good draft pick and that player ends up being on the team and being good or anything else. But yeah, it is, it is pretty shocking. And there was some of that also in the in my predictions for all NBA teams. I think it's probably best to do this like we often do for the awards podcast to go kind of positional grouping. Let's start with the forwards. My forwards were first team was Giannis and Kawhi. Not too far off. The mistake there was, I mean, was probably LeBron being in that mix. And then I had KD and AD, Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant. Totally reasonable if Durant had been healthy, which we couldn't have predicted at that point. And then my third team was LeBron James and Ben Simmons. So James obviously moved up from that and Ben Simmons, we'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, one of the lessons here is that it's a lot easier to project individual performance than team performance, which is not a surprise because individuals, they may change context, but I think their performance is more stable than teams. And obviously you got to see how five guys work together. So 
projecting a team performance might be harder than projecting an individual performance. When I just I just realized predicting Kawhi to be first team All NBA in March of 2018 wasn't exactly the easiest call. Yeah, I mean that, and one of the things I missed on too, I like I had the Spurs as like a pretty good option for still being good because I thought they're going to still have Kawhi and that one. That one I was I discounted too much all of the noise around him in that 17-18 season and him wanting to get out of there and some of that reporting. I should I thought like all right they're going to work it out they're going to offer him the designated player veteran extension he's going to take it and it's all going to be fine i mean when we were doing this was kind of right around the times like oh he's actually going to new york to rehab this and said so uh that was one where in retrospect i just should have used the available information better uh because i discounted some of those reports and i should have counted them more than i did anything more on the forwards or do you want to move on to a different group uh yeah i mean we had some like jason tatum was someone that we noted it could possibly be in there as well um i actually have ben simmons on my third team i don't think he'll probably make it there for me uh, i mean also worth noting that luca is going to figure here trey young are going to figure those guys weren't even in the, in the league at the time and so you weren't they were having nice seasons they're supposed to be at the top of the draft but you never want to project rookies to be in their second season at an all-nba level so i think we'll see whether trey makes it luke obviously is going to for sure yeah so let's move to the guard line i had steph curry and james harden as my first team harden is going to be there curry if he had stayed healthy probably wouldn't i don't think he would have been first team over luca probably would have been second second team is uh dame willard and kyrie irving you know again health permitting that's not totally unreasonable and then third team is where you see a little bit more of an adjustment Victor Oladipo, we couldn't have seen that injury coming. Remember, 17-18, he was having that breakout season, was third-team All-NBA that year, so thought that could reasonably continue. And then I had Russell Westbrook, who that looked a lot worse until four to six weeks ago when he just started tearing everything apart again. But I'd, I, my instinct is he probably won't make it for me. I haven't gone all the way through that just yeah, and so I had Kyrie on my first team. Remember, this is really during that season with Boston. You know, I think he had maybe just had that first surgery, but wasn't ruled out for the whole year yet uh, with the subsequent infection. But that was really the height of Kyrie's star was during that season with Boston. It was all kumbaya. They're on the way to the number one seed. They're going to be playing against Cleveland. They had a pretty decent chance of making it to the finals with him, and he was only going to be 27. And then I steph curry my second team so no actually Kyrie and steph curry are gonna play less than 20 games combined this year ultimately and then did you have i uh, who did you have on your third team um yeah i had oladipo and donovan mitchell mitchell has fallen off a little bit with some of the with the jazz but he made the all-star team this year lillard was on my second team harden was on my first team um mentioned some of the some of the other guys the booker being in it as well we'll see whether you know it's booker or mitchell sadly mentioned uh dennis smith markel fultz and lonzo ball as possibilities whoops hey i included rodney hood as a possibility that was up i think that was as a low end i don't know i've 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 long said that like until i turned on him that like i was going to believe in rodney hood for a long time and i did and then i stopped um on the center line i don't think there was as much movement with one gargantuan exception so i had Embiid first team town second team gobert third team other than you know some injuries and some disappointment with towns that isn't too far off the difference is nicole Jokic. now Jokic at that point in 1718 hadn't established himself near the level that he did last year and then is getting back to this year so that that's really what changed the center dynamic is adding yeah adding somebody rather than removing somebody well and i thought that the reason i didn't have him i, I had ad as my center you probably had him as a forward right i did yeah so but interesting that you and i have actually switched on that now um I don't but, know that I've ever had a position on that with AD. I've just bounced around so much. Yeah, it's just kind of whatever he's doing that year. Um, but yeah, Jokic, I, I noted that I didn't think his defense would improve enough to really get into the highest level. Uh, but I mean, part of it has been Towns. His defense was also terrible. Uh, Embiid, I mean, let's not forget this is Towns right now. This is the Wolves. They'd spent a lot of the season third in the East, right? Until Butler got hurt and they had actually defended okay with butler on the floor it looked like towns was really on the ascent uh and offensively he's continued that trajectory but the wolves have really uh fallen off quite a bit since then Embiid, this was the 17-18 season when he actually you know was playing most of the season uh, he would then break his face on Marco Fultz's shoulder late in the season and, and be injury played but he actually makes it through the entire season this year okay and comes in in better shape so the injury concerns weren't as big now uh as they later became and then Jokic they've built a pretty decent defense around him which you know that 17 18 season it was all offense and no defense still at that point so it has I, I, Mike De, Malone deserves a lot of this credit as well 
but they have gotten the defense good enough to where you know like Jokic and Towns have almost kind of switched places in some respects uh, although I still think Towns is the higher upside Jokic has clearly been the better player over the last two years so I would do a couple things from that little excerpt that the little write-up that I did at the beginning of this and that was so, so yeah. talked about how 1920 would be the last year for the disaster of the sour 16 contracts we've seen some of that affect the dynamics here and the bad teams probably weren't going to be able to to get close enough to really turn that around other than some trade stuff I think that's generally been true I wrote that it was a potential inflection point for the Warriors which didn't know how true that was going to be um but then what I wrote this is the part that I was kind of most proud of arguably the single biggest question for the arc of the league is whether Giannis and or AD can take another big step if either can become the next standard bearer the whole power dynamic shifts the Celtics and Celtic the Sixers and Celtics fit in more as units especially since Davis might be on the move but basically that that could change it and that's exactly what happened you know Giannis becoming the MVP last year and the MVP this year that moved the Celtics and Sixers and then the Raptors obviously with everything that happened last year and that is the reminder that the players moving into the MVP echelon is one of the biggest ways that the league can change over the course of a couple all right thanks so much for listening here we'll be back tomorrow got to get our awards done by the end of the week as well we're a little bit late on that uh, also nba cast tomorrow night luca versus zion that is going to be awesome porzingis uh, has been fantastic so uh, that's uh wednesday night please join us uh, for that we tweet out the link obviously uh give us a review or a rating or tweet out this podcast tell a friend uh whatever and then finally last thing we are going to be doing a live game on the nba's twitch channel well i should shouldn't say live we'll be doing a game replay before blazers versus rockets on sunday march 15th and so we'll actually be let to think about what the format's going to be of redoing a live game on the nba's twitch channel from last year that blazers rockets classic i don't know if we're going to announce it like we're seeing it live for the first time or maybe kind of a hybrid knowing what's uh what's going to happen and obviously we'll be taking plenty of questions and comments during that broadcast as well so check that out on sunday march 15th before the live game of blazers rockets and we'll talk to y'all tomorrow night till then at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.